Is God a man on a literal throne? Is he indifferent to human suffering and challenges upon this earth? Has God made the path of truly knowing him so narrow or so complicated that very few will actually find it? Will God shut the gates of heaven to us if we have the wrong religion or the wrong form of the right religion? Is he dogmatic and legalistic? Or has mankind misrepresented God for centuries? We're going to talk about all this and more next. Stay tuned. Peace and light, everyone, and welcome to the Mind's Eye Podcast. I'm your host, Paul James Caden, and today on the show, we are going to be talking about the nature and personality of God. Now, that's a pretty big uh, mouthful to talk about for any human being, because as finite human beings on this planet that we currently live on, there's very little that we actually know or could know about an infinite being, an eternal being like God. Try as we might to connect all of the dots and come up with all of our theologies and doctrines, it becomes a a pretty hard task And in the end, what we're left with is really theories, philosophies, ideas that have been thought out by scholars and theologians. But we have to be honest and look at all of that information and ask one fundamental question, and that is, Have any of these people, no matter how good or intelligent or educated they might be, has any of them ever actually sat and had a conversation with God? Now, physically, we all know that's impossible. There's no man that's ever sat with God and had tea and were able to ask him, all the questions of the universe. But some people might argue and say, well, if we we read the Quran, if we read the Torah, if we read the Bible, the New Testament, well, this is like sitting at the feet of God or at the feet of Jesus. We have all of the teachings, everything we need to know for life and living and eternal life. And, you know, I think right off the bat with this conversation, we at least have to mention, and and most people are aware of this, even scholars and even theologians. And that is, and, and this isn't to downplay the Bible or say it's just a fictitious work written by man, none of it is true, we can't believe in it. 
No, there's a lot of eternal spiritual truth in the pages of the Bible. But there's also a lot of problems with translations, with words and paragraphs that have been added in, books that we don't really know who wrote them, yet they were assigned a name from somebody from the biblical stories to make it more familiar to us. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I believe it's the Gospel of Mark that was uh, called the Gospel of Q or some such thing. So a lot of the writings, we really don't know who wrote them. The book of Hebrews, we really don't know who wrote it. The book of Second Peter, uh, there are many uh, scholars who believe that it is a forgery forged by one of Paul's scribes to substantiate and give credence to the works and teachings of Paul. Hence the verse in that scripture that says, you know, that some of the things uh, Paul teaches is difficult or hard to understand, but nonetheless he teaches the truth of our Lord or the truth of the gospel, whatever uh, the verse goes on to say. So many people uh, most scholars say Second Peter, uh, Peter did not write it, uh, and that this was actually a forgery that was given his name by probably one of Paul's uh, scribes. But we're not going to get into all of the different errors and issues and problems with biblical texts, but there are many. You know, there, there's a lot of things... Um, a lot of issues, we'll say, with the biblical text that one has to be very careful when we read it, you know, especially when it came to the translation from the Greek and the Hebrew to the Latin by St. Jerome, you know, uh, when the Roman church translated the Bible into Latin and then from Latin to English, uh, i a lot of the Roman Catholic doctrines were kind of settled into the biblical text. So words and meanings were changed or kind of uh, doctored a bit to fix uh, basically one looking at the written word, you know, would see that, oh, you know, these... Um, these doctrines of the Church of Rome, well, they're biblical because there it is. You know, so there were things that were added and kind of, uh, you know, played with in the translation. So we have issues there. And again, this isn't a podcast to talk about all of that. I don't want to spend uh, a whole lot of time talking about that here. But regardless, uh, you know, to say that saying, you know, sitting with the Bible or any of the other uh, sacred texts that we have is like sitting at the feet of God or sitting at the feet of Jesus, uh, learning everything we need to know because this is the Word of God. Um, it's an argument that if we really search it through and we're honest with ourselves and we're not afraid to see the truth and not afraid to maybe have to step back from some of our 
pet beliefs because that's really what it all comes down to. People get afraid to say, well, hey, I've believed this thing all of my life. I believed that the entire Bible was God-breathed. You know, the Quran was, you know, God-inspired, you know, the very word of God. You know, some Muslims say that uh, a copy of the Quran exists in heaven. It's a heavenly book. It existed throughout all time. And it was given given to Muhammad to uh, translate and write in Arabic for the people of the world. So all throughout the religious traditions, we have, you know, the idea of, uh, you know, this perfect word of God, this God-breathed text that contains everything we need to know. And, and those books contain some very good things, some very enlightening things. I'm not saying by any means don't read those books or, you know, don't study them or uh, don't take any stock in them. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I am saying we have to meet those books on their own terms, understanding what they are, where they came from, what some of the problems were in their origins, and also, you know, what really was inspired, that, that men felt inspired by God to write uh, some of these things down. But then also in those inspired writings, what were some of the cultural ideas of the day that they wrote into the text and that we look at today and say, well, that doesn't really make any sense or, you know, I really can't believe in that or do that in that particular way, uh, particularly looking at the writings of Paul when he downgrades women that a woman shouldn't teach in the church and a woman should be subject to her husband and all of that type of thing. Well, you know, those were ideas of his culture of the day that were added, you know, or came out in the text that he obviously thought were, you know, inspired, but they were inspired, uh, you know, uh, by his own mind, his own belief system of the time. So again, the argument of using any of these books is like sitting at the feet of God because they're the very word of God. Uh, if we're not afraid uh, to know the truth, to look at the truth and understand uh, some of the issues with these texts as well as the good things about them, um, you know, we will find that truth. And it's freeing. It's freeing to know, at least for me it was, and I know a lot of other people it has been too, it's very freeing to know that God isn't so dogmatic or legalistic because let's face it folks you know the Jewish people follow the Jewish Bible you know the Tanakh the Torah you know it talks about stoning people to death who are disobedient to parents under the law of Moses you know do Jewish people still do that no they don't are they being displeasing to God because you know, they don't follow that law anymore. You know, a lot of Jewish people understand that, that no, they're not. 
many Christians don't believe in downplaying women, you know, or that a woman, a woman should be subject to the man. You know, uh, a lot of Christians believe in equality among the sexes. Are those people breaking the canon rule of the God-breathed text of the Bible? You know, if we're going to uh, believe that's what it is, then we have to follow it to the T. I mean, this is the word of God. So we have to obviously follow everything it says, but what would society look like? How far would we have evolved at all as civilized people if we were still stoning teenagers that were disobedient to their parents? Keeping women, you know, under the thumbs of men, even though many try to do that yet today. And look at the harassment, you know, and the inequality that many women put up with in the world. You know, it's it's just disturbing to think that anybody would want to treat a fellow human being or a woman in that way. Look at the... Uh, the crazy religious political uh, scenario that's happening in the United States and across the world right now. I mean, if we followed everything in the Bible to a T, uh, we'd probably be warring with one another much more than we already do. You know, so it's, it's understood, even if it's unspoken, that there are some things that... Um, we know they were part of the culture or the mindset of the day. And as we evolve as people and as we evolve as spiritual beings, we just don't engage in that kind of behavior anymore. So again, you know, the whole argument of uh, having the Bible or any of these other texts is like sitting at the feet of God or Jesus and learning we all need what we all need to know. Uh, is a rather flawed uh, argument. So let's progress from there and talk about some of the ideas that evolve from our religions and from the texts that we have. And let's see if they are in line with the character and the nature of a being that we would call God. Now let's remember, none of us have ever seen God. None of us ever had tea time with God and can come back and say, oh, he's this kind of person, or he's that kind of person, or yeah, he's mad as hell at everybody and can't wait to blow us off the face of the earth. You know, uh, the old Catholics were right. You know, Jesus is on the edge of his throne, just, you know, ready to obliterate the earth and slap us around like the redheaded stepchild. And Mother Mary is holding him back from, you know, doing that. You know, that's an old Catholic idea. And some Catholics actually still have that image of Jesus. But, you know, nobody has sat down and had, you know, tea and crumpets with Jesus to be able to say, yeah, he's that pissed off at the world, you know? But let's look at what we do know, or at least what we kind of know about God. And I think the big thing to realize is that throughout all of the religions, 
all of them, whether they're Abrahamic or whether they're Hindu, um, whatever religion you want to speak of that has an idea of God. There's been this idea for many, many years now, thousands of years, that God is love, that God is more than we are as human beings. He's far beyond us. He's not like us. We have a lot of accounts of people that have had the, uh, I won't even say near-death experience, I'll say after-death experience, uh, where they were dead for 10, 15, 20 minutes, sometimes half hour, uh, you know, and uh, miraculously came back. These people were clinically dead. Some of them were in the morgue uh, and said, hey, they were somewhere else. And that somewhere else was so filled with love and peace and acceptance. And they come back, and if they weren't a religious person, well, they're a religious person now. Not because they're afraid. I saw this wrathful God, and I better get my act together and start uh, preaching the gospel or uh, preaching some message. No, they come back and they say, the love I experienced there is unlike anything I've ever experienced in this world. And I want everybody to know that love. It's real. They don't fear death anymore. They're not materialistic anymore. And some of them were, you know, very rich, uh, very uh, profitable businessmen. They quit their jobs and their careers, lived more simple lives so they could just go out and talk about their experience and this incredible love that they experienced in this other place and this light that they saw or this voice that they heard that they said they believed was the voice of God and it was just pure unconditional love that just by being in the presence of that light or hearing that voice filled them and lifted them in that spiritual state to just such a height of ecstasy and, and love and peace and joy that it was unexplainable. So let's start with this idea that we know, or at least kind of know, from our sacred texts and from the experience of others who've caught a glimpse of something beyond this world. We can also talk to a lot of other people that had experiences right here on earth and never died. I've had my own experience. I've talked about that before in this show. And the incredible euphoric love and acceptance I felt in that experience. It was nothing like religion ever told me about or taught. And a lot of other people say that as well. So let's start with that foundation of an infinite love that is beyond anything that we can know and comprehend and even show one another in this world. You know, I think the first thing we have to say about that kind of love that if God's love is so much more above and great 
and unexplainable to us as human beings, even what little glimpses we've had of it, even those who were able to step into the afterlife for a short period of time and then come back, that little glimpse that some of us have caught or gleaned from the sacred texts. If God's love is so much greater and beyond what we think, know, express, or ever heard about, then how much more is God's patience and compassion and peace and kindness above what we would ever, ever even imagine or know in this world. It only stands to reason. And it's beyond me why we as human beings always want to put God in a box. We always want to make God like us. He hates what we hate. He likes what we like. He's prejudiced against the people we're prejudiced against. If we're one of these people, I was just reading a thing today that's anti-holiday. If we think the holidays are pagan and satanic, well, God does too. You know, we, we have all these crazy ideas where we always want to put God in the box. And you can't put God in a box. If God said to Solomon, who was building the first temple, you're building me this house, but yet the very heavens are not large enough to contain me. That tells us right there, God's not some guy on a throne that we have all figured out and can package up so nicely in our little doctrines and dogmas and legalisms. And we have to start to get rid of all of that if we're ever going to truly know or understand God at all. And so if God's love and his peace and his compassion and his kindness and his patience and his goodness is all far beyond what we could ever know, then what makes us think that God would make the path to finding him and following him so narrow, so small, so confusing? Let's start with this idea. A lot of people think there's a one true religion if you're not... Jewish or Muslim or Christian or whatever the case may be, well, you know, you have the wrong religion and you're going to hell or you're not going to make it into the brand new world when the Messiah comes. You know, there's all these ideas. You have to accept this religion or you're out. But now let's think about that infinite love and wisdom and knowledge and compassion of God. Do we not think that God would know what life in this world would be like? All these different cultures, all these different religions, 
each religion teaching each culture and each individual that it is the right religion and to depart from it uh, is going to jeopardize their place in the afterlife when they leave this world or they're going to go to a bad place. We've all been indoctrinated by our religions, no matter where we're from or what the religion is. Do we not think or know that God would understand that there would be atheists in this world? People that would look at the confusion of religion, the hypocrisy of religion, and say, I don't want anything to do with that. If that's what God makes people into, I don't want any part of it. Do we not think and know that there would be people that would suffer at the hands of religious abuse and walk away from religion? Never to touch it again. Flat out reject it. God, Jesus, Allah, whoever, whatever. Nope, no thank you. Do we think that God would not know that there would be governments that would adopt certain religions and oppress people and try to take over the world, inventing terrorists and warmongers, spreading hatred for those other countries and nations who don't adhere to their political religious system. And this only scratches the surface of all the problems in our world and in our world where religion is concerned, do we think God would not know these things? Therefore, do we think God in all these various scenarios would be like us, the bratty kid? You know, you ever see the old cartoons or TV shows? where there was the bratty kid or the bully and he had a clubhouse or a treehouse and you know he told his uh you know his little punk buddies the password to get into the clubhouse and if you didn't know the password you didn't get in you know and the the little kids would come up the little innocent kids and they'd say what's the password and the little kid would try to guess and get it wrong. You don't know the password. You're not a member. Get out of here. They, they'd turn him away, kick him out. Well, religion has done that. What's the password? And the password is, what is your religion? Is it the right religion? And then even if you're a Christian or a whatever you are, you know, do you believe the right thing? Do you have the right Christianity, the right Jesus, the right Allah, the right Jehovah, the right whomever? So religion has become, you know, like the bunch of little punks with the, with the clubhouse, you know, guarding the afterlife. What's the password? Or you don't get in. You go to hell or you're, a cat, you're an outcast. Would God in his infinite wisdom and love and goodness be that way? Or would he be a lot wiser and see all of the different religions and the problems and the struggles that we all go through and see the Hindu or the Buddhist or the New Ager who's really trying to be a good person 
be pleasing to God, to the divine, to the universe, whatever they call it. Just legitimately being good to others, feeding the hungry, trying to put to bed, you know, the pullings and the temptations of the ego within themselves. When those people die, though they've tried hard all their lives to be good people and adhere to a philosophy or a religion that tries to make them better people, you know, you had the wrong password, sorry. Do we really think God would be someone who, if someone was abused in, you know, one of these churches that we hear about all the time, gave up on Christianity, rejected it, it rejected Jesus, became an atheist, died an atheist. They go to heaven, what's the password? Sorry, you walked away from me, you don't get in. What about people that committed suicide? It's long been said, oh, if you commit suicide, you automatically go to hell. I believed that when I was a teenager. I believed that in my 20s. But then one day I read a book and realized there are people that have mental illnesses, conditions, depression, anxiety. And sometimes these conditions drive them, sadly, to take their own lives because being here, taking their very next breath is just too painful, too riddled with anxiety. And if you've never suffered with chronic anxiety, I have, and I got through it by myself, uh, just with perseverance and faith. It's a hell on earth. And sometimes you go to bed at night and you hope you don't wake up in the morning because living 24 seven in an anxiety attack or a panic attack, one after another, after another, you don't know which way to turn. And some people can't get through it, even with professional help and medication. And these people in desperation do something like commit suicide. And God's going to say, sorry. Is he going to be indifferent to their pain, to their trials, to the psychological and mental health hell that these people live through in their lives? I don't think so. To me, God is a comforting father. He understands. Hey, you shouldn't have committed suicide. You should have tried to hang out, you know, hang in there at least one more day. But here you are. Let's comfort you. Let's help you. Let's heal you. Maybe you couldn't find those things. Maybe you couldn't find peace on earth with what you were suffering with, but you can find it here in my presence. That sounds like God, not the cruel bully who's turning somebody away. And let's face it, would it be heaven or would it be hell to spend eternity with such a being. 
all these do's and don'ts and legalism and doctrine and dogma have the right religion or the right form of that religion or you're being displeasing to God. It would be like spending eternity in the old Catholic schools where we're constantly getting our knuckles whacked with the ruler. Or imagine, if you will, and you know, I don't like to say this because it sounds like I'm picking on people, but imagine spending eternity with a bunch of people who acted like some of these fundamentalists or evangelicals. So arrogant, so haughty, so puffed up with pride, labeling themselves as prophets and men of God. Lying, taking people's money. Would that be heaven to spend in a congregation of people throughout eternity with those kind of people? I would say absolutely not. So if these are the people God favors like they think they do, they think they're favored by God, some of these people, heaven would be hell. And God wouldn't be God at all. He'd be something else. He'd be like one of us. And I don't know about any of you out there in podcast land, but I don't want to worship a God or spend eternity with a God who is nothing but a deified man sitting on his throne with his crown on his head. And he has all the flaws and arrogance and pride and hate and judgmentalism that we do. But he can get away with it because he's God. See, I don't think God is the bully at the clubhouse door shouting at everybody that comes before him, what's the password? I don't see that. I see God being very understanding of what's happening in our world and what every person goes through, no matter what their religion is. And I think God looks on the heart. And if there's one little flicker of faith and wanting to find God and do the right thing in that heart, God will give that person a chance. He will welcome them into his kingdom. Didn't Jesus say the smoldering wick he will not put out? I see God as being very compassionate, very merciful, very decent, very accepting, very understanding. Far, far beyond what we could comprehend or think just like that love people encounter and say, it's nothing like I ever encountered, knew, or heard about before. And as God's love is, so is his mercy and his peace and his compassion and his understanding. It's something we've never experienced or even heard of before. It's beyond our comprehension. And because it's beyond our comprehension and man needs an answer for everything and tries to figure everything out, 
He puts God in a box and makes God just like him. Or as we talked about in the last show, he borrows from the old superstitions of the past and makes God into some fickle deity who's either dark, angry, half-evil, or just indifferent to human suffering. As I talked about in the last show, this idea borrowed from Gnosticism. You know, the God of the Old Testament is an evil God who created the whole material universe. And he's trapped us in this world. And his evil angels, the archons, feed on our fear and our conflict. This is a big soul farm. And when we die, they'll trick us into reincarnating back into this world. And if we don't know the cryptic secrets of the new internet gurus and prophets and self-proclaimed Christs, well, we're, gonna never, we're never going to make it out of this soul farm. But why are we at the mercy of the self-proclaimed prophets, gurus, and modern-day Christs? Where's God? Where's the real Christ? just indifferently setting by, waiting us to figure out all those mysteries that are beyond comprehension. And some of them, when you hear these, these people talk, wow. Even what they're trying to explain makes no sense because it's bullshit. <laughs> and we can try to build a snowman out of, you know, cow dung and make it look all pretty with the corn cob pipe and the button nose, but it's still bullshit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it just gets ridiculous what people, uh, you know, perpetuate these days. But getting back to being serious here for a minute, where's God in all that? He's indifferent, leaving us to the, you know, the whims and the teachings and the BS of all these knuckleheads, you know, and the evil God of the Old Testament and the archons and the, you know, the reptilians and whatever else might be going on. Where's God? Don't you think that would be the question a lot of people would ask him, you know, if they did make it out of the soul farm and all this craziness? Well, where the hell were you? Man, you didn't do anything to help get me out of that mess. And if I didn't watch all the, you know, dunderheads on YouTube or anywhere else on the internet, you know, I wouldn't have made it. You know, it it, it just gets ridiculous. The things we relegate to God. And we either make God in our own image or we package him up with a lot of old superstitions of the primitive religions that we talked about in the last podcast. And if we don't get away from all of that, we're doomed to make the same mistakes over and over and over. And we make it increasingly impossible for ourselves to truly know God and also for the future generations to know God. And we're liable to see future future generations be more secular or atheist because of the mistakes we're making and the mistakes our ancestors are making.
in the name of God. So I could go on for another 40 minutes with this podcast just going on and on, but I just want you to do this. Think about that infinite love and wisdom and peace and compassion and kindness and understanding and knowledge of God that like his love is far beyond anything that we know or comprehend. Get out of your mind this idea that God is the, as I always say, the man on the golden throne with the little Burger King crown on his head, ruling supreme in his kingdom. Get, Get rid of all that. God is not a man. God is not a man of war. God is not coming back to this world to sit on a physical throne and rule from, you know, some other place in the Middle East. Do you think in all of the vastness of eternity, God wouldn't have something better to do or more grand to accomplish than to come here on our rock and sit on the throne and say, oh boy, look at me, I'm king. We have to get beyond all of this. So think about that love and that wisdom and knowledge and compassion and all of those things that are far beyond what we can know and understand. And then think about these pet doctrines and legalisms and all of this stuff that we've been handed all for so many years. This is what we have to do to be pleasing to God. This is what we have to do to get into heaven. We can't do this or we're going to face the wrath of God. Oh, if we don't do this, we're not real Christians or real Jews or real Muslims. Think about all of that stuff and then stack it up against that infinite love and compassion and wisdom and all of that of God and ask yourself, would an infinite being be that damn petty. Because 100% of the time, you're going to come up with the answer is actually no. And then your conscious mind is going to fight you on that. Yeah, but the church always said. And yeah, my favorite internet pastor always said. Or my guru always said. Or the books I read always told me. Have those people sat down and had lunch with God? No, they haven't. So if you have that epiphany that all that stuff is nonsense and is actually besmirching the nature and character of God, then get rid of it. Go with the greater God and not go back to the swamp hole of man's inventions and lies about God. Because that's one thing I agree with in the Quran. It says, you know, woe to those people that invent lies about God or write something behind their back and present it to the public and say, this is from God when they know it's not. Or when they know it's just vain imaginings of their own imagination. And we've had too much of that in this world that's really polluted the spiritual rivers. 
And here we are, sadly, having to talk about these things in 2021. That God's not going to shake and bake in hell somebody that turned away from religion because they were raped by a priest. Or somebody that committed suicide because they had a mental illness and they couldn't take it anymore. Or they were a different religion other than fill in the blank. Our fears, our superstitions, and our stupidity still looms very large over the horizon of spirituality. And until we get rid of those things, we are never truly going to know the peace and the love of God. And our world will never evolve into something better. So folks, once again, I thank you for listening today. I really do appreciate it. I hope you got something out of this show. It went a little longer than uh, I uh, I anticipated, but I, uh, I hope uh, you folks don't mind. So until next time, stay safe, stay well, and uh, measure your beliefs and the things you've been taught against that infinite far beyond human reasoning, love of God. It's a great exercise to do, and you'll find yourself getting rid of a lot of junk that has actually weighed you down in your life for too many years. Thank you again for listening. I'll talk to you next time here on the Mind's Eye Podcast.